0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Cambridge Update, recorded on September 2nd, 2020. My name is Sonia Mahadio and today I'll be sitting down with Greg Dean, Principal and Portfolio Manager at Cambridge Global Asset Management. This is part one of a two-part series on the Cambridge Peer Canadian Equity Fund. Hi Greg, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Sonia.
0: So, today I thought we could shift our focus to talk about the Cambridge Peer Canadian Equity Fund.
1: That sounds great. It's been a it's been a few months.
0: Yes, it definitely has. And since the last time we spoke, the fund is up nineteen percent, while the market is up thirteen percent. And we've also added significant value over this period of time. So I'm just going to start by asking you, you know, what do you attribute this success to? Have you been doing anything different? <laughs>
1: uh, it, it's a good question. Um, you know, we've we've always tried to be consistent in in saying, you know short-term performance is important only in uh, you know to the extent that it adds up to long-term performance Um, but measuring it over those those time frames is is not something that's you know super uh important to us Mm -hmm. um because very few companies we own uh in fact no companies that we own are we looking for that sort of um the thesis to play out in months or quarters you know so Um, But but I think what has happened and, you know, we can talk about this year versus previous years as well, stretching out the time frames, Um, you know, in a concentrated portfolio of best ideas, you either usually look really smart or really stupid (laughs) in the short term.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You know, rarely do you, you know, just look average
1: because, um, you know, we don't own the market. There isn't an ETF that could replicate uh, the fund. It owns, you know, just uh, just over 30 ideas today. And you know we've gotten a, a very good amount of credit uh, for those ideas in the short period of time, and more than the stock market got. Um, so we can have months or quarters where we're performing by five or six hundred basis points, and we can have months or quarters where we're underperforming yeah. by five or six hundred basis points. And so, um, yeah, over the year so far, you know, we are positive um, by a couple percent, which is nice because I think what we've said is if you give us volatility and uncertainty. As as active bottoms up stock pickers, we're going to add value, or we're at least going to do our best to try to add value. And so, um, you know, there were a lot of challenging conversations had last year because we didn't beat the stock market. Um, very few things did. Um, when you have years where um, you know every asset class is positive, the correlations are very high, uh, it's hard to outperform. So we don't measure performance in calendar years, but you know we're very very pleased that. Um, you know, since inception, the funds compounded at 11% per year, we'll have a 10-year number in February. Mm -hmm. I think people who've owned the fund since inception and have have earned that 11% are very, very pleased. We as unit holders are very pleased, but obviously, um, you know, if I'm being honest, the the first half of the last 10 years was significantly better than the last half of the last 10 years, and so it's been incumbent upon us to reflect and uh, revisit what we do and how we do it and always just try to get better and I think hopefully you know delivering a performance in a year as difficult as this year has been so far gives people confidence that we are we are not um, you know resting on our laurels or, or becoming complacent we're we're you know like I said always trying to get better and then put those learnings into practice and deliver better outcomes for clients.
0: Well, and to that point, let me ask you this, because I can see that this is uh, one of the best months we've ever had was August, where the fund is up 6%. How are you positioning yourself in September to continue the momentum? Or, um, you know, are you just kind of going with it? And, and you know, are you happy with the holdings that we have currently? And, you know, you want to stay true to that?
1: Yeah, so I, I think, I think there's been, I'll give you the, the, the lead up to you know why we're positioned the way we are today and what we think um, a good and bad outcome will look like. So you know when we when we launched the fund, we said you know double digit returns after fees over time would be a, a, a good outcome. We're you know nine tenths of the way to, to our our year effort uh, and, and looks like we'll probably end up around that ten percent or, or above. No one knows what the stock market will do, but we've only got four more months. Um, but what, what attracts us to small cap is just the idiosyncratic, uh, nature of each individual opportunity, you know, where there's not enough depth or breadth in, in the Canadian small cap universe to really play these, these, you know, very popular themes. Mm -hmm. Um, the only themes, uh, that are of any, you know, significant size or scale, if you go back over the last, you know, nine, 10 years would be mining and energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess uh, a very short-lived marijuana, case, which, we, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about, but we never bought, um, you know, or sold a share of a, of a marijuana company. Um, so I won't, I don't really have much to add to that, to that area. But when it came to resources, that's been probably one of the biggest evolutions in my thinking um, over the last five years. Because, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we had very, very significant uh, outperformance over the first five years uh, of the fund's life. And then I'd say a pretty mediocre last five years um, with a really strong year so far and coming into COVID and, and through last year, one of the keys for me was just recognizing um, it, Sometimes it's not best to own, um, you know, the nicest house on not a great street. Mm-hmm. If We can use a real estate analogy. And so, you know, Small caps in Canada especially, there's only two countries in the world where the small cap premium is as wide as it is in Canada. It's Canada and Australia. And the reasons are similar. Um, you know, dis- Despite being developed countries with a, a, a great standard of living, um, they have what we would call more of like a developing country type currency mm-hmm. in terms of volatility and the fact that that currency is heavily influenced by commodity prices. And uh, and the small cap market in Canada is is heavily uh, influenced. So, you know, you can basically just, if you own resources at the right time and avoid resources at the right time, you can add a lot of value. And that's just not what we do. So I would never suggest to a client to own, you know, I I don't have anything against um, ETFs or passive instruments. I think they can play a really important and valuable role in any client's portfolio. But I would very much want to scrutinize the underlying holdings of that ETF and and to to buy the, you know, TSX completion is just, it's not something that I think will lead to significant amounts of wealth creation over time. Mm -hmm. I think we've we've probably outperformed the benchmark since inception by astronomical amounts because it may or may not have even added any value over a decade, which is really sad, Um, but the point is, you know, resources are, are an area that we have historically had a lot of interest in small cap and where, you know, through last year, we just decided um, these, and, you know, and I'll, I'll give Tourmaline's term the best example. You know, it's a $5 billion company. CEO um, is one of the largest shareholders. They've managed their balance sheet. They've managed their cost structure, and they've been able to grow production and cash flow and free cash flow per share. Since inception, they're now the largest gas producer in Canada. In 2007, they didn't exist. Yeah. A pretty amazing 13-year period, um, but the stock is still below the IPO price. Well, wow. and most of us would say that that you know significantly underperformed our wildest pessimistic expectations at the time we bought the shares. Um, and you know, just this week, Obsidian and Bonterra were looking to merge, and I remembered Obsidian's the old stream. and. And uh, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm curious what those companies have done. Mm-hmm. So I pulled them up. They're each 50 million market caps. These were billion-dollar companies wow. less than five, five years ago. So when you look at how is Tourmaline done, it's done an incredible job yeah. relative to its peer group. But it, it was the wrong neighborhood to be shopping for property in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and it almost went against one of my core tenets, or it did which is i, I want to avoid mining i want to avoid commodities uh, currencies um, government policy and interest rates if those are the key drivers of a thesis that we of a business that we own in the fund we're in we're in a tough spot and for whatever reason uh you know we made exceptions for oil and gas uh, companies in small cap and you know it regretted it in hindsight so um you know coming into this year we're you know, energy's weight, um, the producers is, you know, sub 3% of the fund. We own two. And the energy weight is is, is, is majority royalty companies and, uh, you know, an infrastructure business in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and where that money's gone is into, you know, areas like real estate where holdings, new holdings in the portfolio like a, a first service or an Altus, they're just far better companies. And COVID gave us the chance to buy them at really attractive prices today, um, you know, we, we bought Kojiko through Q uh, through the end of Q1, and it's now uh, a host in a hostile takeover where Rogers and Altice in the U.S. are looking to you know split it up into its pieces. And we had a view that the sum of the parts was far greater than the whole, and our downside was protected a because of the strategic value of the assets and b because of the cash flow generation of the assets. So if we were you know coming through COVID, we we got the chance to buy a great business. At a, at a phenomenal price uh, and one that we had followed for some time. And, and so, anyways, it's long story short, um, that evolution in resources, I think, is what's changed the composition and also the quality and the durability of the small cap fund. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, frankly, I think gonna lead
0: to better outcomes over the next three and five years. Thanks for tuning in to the first part of our two-part series on the Cambridge Pure Canadian Equity Fund. Until next time.
2: This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing.